0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: HRN has a brand new look, but we're sharing the same delicious stories. Invest in the future of food radio by becoming a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hey, hey welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, July 20th, 2021, and I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. So uh, I guess this show is kind of the upstate New York show, uh, but it's much more than that. Um, we have two parts tonight. One of them is uh, some, some guests who won an award for the New York State Craft Beer Competition. And then we're going to dive into the meat of the episode, talking about the Hudson River Sail Freight. With schooner Apollonia and some other guests. So, let's go through the room and introduce everyone. Let's start with uh, Dana.
2: Hey, everybody! It's Dana Ball, Upward Brewing. Uh, we're in the I'm in the brew house right now here in Livingston Manor in Sullivan County, and I'm happy to to be here with Jimmy. Great, and David. Hey, uh, it's Dave Walton. I'm
3: also a brewer owner at Upward Brewing in Livingston Manor, New York, and I'm. Uh, I'm outside the other room from Dana right now. So we're 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 getting a little echo before, so we got away from each other.
1: And for a little later, since they're in the room, uh, this Hudson River Sail Freight crew, Sam.
4: Hello, Sam Merritt here. Uh, I'm the captain and team leader of the schooner Apollonia, and I am up in Hudson, New York
5: with the vessel. All right, and Brad. Yeah, this is Brad Vogel, and I'm with the Schooner Apollonia crew as well. I guess you could call me the super cargo. My job is working on sort of ginning up cargos and people to buy the stuff that we're shipping, just to make sure there's something there uh, as the schooner is going up and down the Hudson. And I'm here in Gowanus, Brooklyn.
1: Excellent. Well, you know what's so exciting is that with everything that happened last year, uh, we have so much going on in New York, and especially from upstate. And Dana, let, let's do a quick intro with you. I, I make mean, it years ago. You you were a, a a beer salesperson in in New York City. Um, you've been up in Sullivan County for a while. You've been part of some other beer projects. It's always great to talk to you. So welcome to the show, Dana.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate that. Yeah, it it, it is exciting times. Uh, you know, I think it took a pandemic to uh, to make this place cool up here in the Catskills, but we'll take it and. uh, um, it, it is beautiful, and, and uh, it, it was uh, it was strange. You know, the last time I was on your show, Jimmy, um, and I brought brought our beers with us to taste. Uh, it was the night before uh, the first documented uh, COVID case in the city, and um, and we all know what happened after that. But uh, um, we had just started brewing, uh, Dave and I, and uh, and so a lot has happened since uh, since that time I was with you.
1: Yeah, so uh, Upward Brewing in uh livingston manor right in sullivan county
2: yeah yeah upward brewing um we've been open for a little bit over a year and a half and uh it's just dave and i in the brew house we're we're, we're brewing the beer cleaning the kegs driving the beer and uh i have a couple couple bartenders but uh, um yeah uh, we won three medals in this past competition which uh has has uh, made me feel great, and and Dave and I walk a little differently now. But uh, but we're 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 back brewing, and and uh, and we just keep going at it.
1: Well, that, that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about quickly, and we're we're going to have you guys back on again and do another deeper show. But and Dana and Dave, tell me about the New York State Craft Beer Competition. Has come a long way. I mean, the the winners that I saw, there was you know a lot of even New York City entries, Grim and, and, and Threes industrial arts from Rockland County you guys prison city way upstate that I love um tell us about what the cup means to you or the the competition uh why don't you start David you know let me tell tell a little bit more about yourself too because this is pretty cool
3: the only thing that I know uh about the contest it's about five years old I think this was the fifth uh year and it's and it's grown really large in a very short period of time it's um I guess it's the largest state, um, competition, um, for beer in the country. Um, and then probably only, uh, the only one that's bigger than that is the great American beer festival. Um, so, so to actually win anything in this thing is pretty huge. I mean, especially for us being, being as new as we are and, uh, and as, and as new to the game, uh, we were just absolutely thrilled, uh, what happened. And then
1: um, Dana, what did you guys submit?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have, we, we make six beers here basically. And, uh, and we can't concentrate on just six beers. We, 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 we're not a a place that makes, uh, you know, a new flavor every, every two weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we concentrate on lagers and, and, and ales and, uh, Um, and we haven't even gotten to a barrel aging program or anything. So we, we, we put in our our lager beer and that, that got us a gold, which, uh, we're static about. Um, we put our, our Pilsner in and we put our black Pilsner in our Pils Noir. Um, and then we put our New Zealand pale ale and that pale got us a, a bronze medal. And then, um, and then in the double American double category, our opiate sun, uh, got us a, a silver. So yeah, three out of the six beers, uh, got us somewhere, which we're, we're, we are we we can not be happy enough.
1: That's great, man. So I'm so proud of you guys. Thank um, you, dude. How, how far have things come for you? You know, since we last spoke, you know, you, you've, you guys are up and open. Just give us a quick summary of what's going on.
2: Yeah, Distribution.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, tap rooms um, open.
2: Yeah. So when, when I saw you, I saw you in November, I saw you, I think, uh, I don't know, it was the fall, uh, right before the, the pandemic. And, and, uh, um, we had opened in November. So I guess I had to see it after, right after that and, uh, probably in November. And, uh, um, and then we were shut down, uh, soon after that in February, I believe. Um, uh, and, and then we, Dave and I were, were, you know, having people come to the building and we were putting beer in their, in their trunks. And, uh, we just kept brewing and, and kind of, just kind of hope for the best and uh, tried to make sure everyone's safe. And, and uh, you know, we closed down the, you know, for a while, just, uh, but we kept brewing and, and uh,
3: well, we have a, we have yeah. a
2: really interesting space up here too, Jimmy. Um,
3: Cause we have, we've got 120 acres on this property. And um, when the pandemic hit, we decided that since we had all of this space, we could make it, you know, sort of COVID safe by, by putting picnic tables out in the field and, and uh, and letting people sort of bivouac in, in their own little safe environment out there, but while still being able to come in and grab some beers and run outside, you know. And I think a lot of people sort of shifted gears to to the outside service thing because people felt it was safer and they could you know get some distance between them and their neighbors and and still kind of have an enjoyable time. Um, so we we sort of felt like we were trying to create this kind of oasis. Um, Uh, So people could sort of have a little bit of a normal existence and going out um, and not being so stuck inside. And we opened up our mountains so that people could go and hike when when all the state parks closed and things like that. So, um, you know, we've been, you know, just trying to adjust as as things happen. And thankfully, um, you know, we're sort of we're sort of past the uh, the 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 COVID uh, right now. Um, yeah. And hopefully we stay that way for a bit. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy. And, and, you know, we, we, we trademarked the name beer mountain, you know, we, it climbs up to, uh, 2,100 feet, but that, you know, that was from the late, great Ray Dieter, you know, uh, talking about the, the magical beer mountain where you go up there and you find that most coveted keg and you drag it back to your bar. Um, so yeah, so we're really proud that be able to offer the serene hiking trails and, and, uh, and that, that actually, that, that really uh, was true for a lot of people from New York City who were able to come up here and escape for the day and, and enjoy the outdoors, you know.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, last time I, I was up there with you was probably 2016, and um, you were telling me about this mountain uh, and what you were going to do with it. So I don't know if you had that location by back then but i'm really proud that you got your mountain for your brewery <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah yeah we did i think when i had dinner with you that night uh, yeah that, that i think that was right after we acquired the property and it, it has a water source on it. it used to supply the whole town with water and and that's what dave and i were attracted to that's that's what, why we found this spot was we were looking for for a, a, a great amount of water that was uh and we and we get 30 gallons a minute coming up out of our well and uh and, and our loggers, are we we don't touch them with any minerals or salts, and uh, it just it, it I think that's a big part of why the lager beer uh, was a gold medal winner. It's it it's just a it was just super easy to make because of the water, you know.
1: You're gonna change the name to Gold Medal Lager.
2: Uh, to to which one?
1: gold medal lager yeah uh
2: well i'd have to i'd have to win that every year but uh it's it's uh it's base camp so that, that kind of refers to the to the the building that's at the bottom of the mountain and uh so it is kind of our uh our local beer here that people come in and and have enjoyed for a while and, and uh we just came out with a, a beer called summer camp which is an offshoot of base camp and uh um just hopped it a little differently and uh, comes in 12 ounce can but but we just, uh, we're releasing that this week. So we're, we're pretty excited about that too. That's great.
1: And, and David, how, how did you and Danny get together? Cause like I said, I, I I've known Dan probably 20 years, um, old school beer sales guy who's still young and, and keeps making things <laughs> v- very yeah. fresh. Um, know, we
3: met, uh, we've met actually playing music together and then, um, uh, and then we ended up working together after that. So, uh, so we were actually in a band together, uh, a really silly band. Uh, when I moved up here at first, I needed a bass player, and I lived sort of through the woods from where Dana lives, and he could hear me you know, playing my drums or playing my guitar and and um, and then we bumped into each other in town and said we needed a bass player. So he came over and played bass. and then I realized all of the talent that this guy has um, in the beer world and uh, and we just started working together from there.
1: well the, the the last place that Dana worked at, literally because of him, and my old pub, Jimmy's number forty three, I, I started buying that beer. So um, I think you got a good good team there. I just want to yeah, thank you guys sure. f- for joining. Congratulations. Thank Big you. shout out to all the winners of the New York State craft beer competition. Big cheers to Paul Leone, the, the executive director, who's really come brought that yeah, organization absolutely. a long way the last seven absolutely. years. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, we really appreciate what he did for us during the pandemic too, keeping everybody informed and on the right page.
1: Great. So you guys can mute and stay on if you want. Um, Now we're going to talk more about upstate. So um, the way I see it is that so much, so many interesting things have been happening outside of the city in in the last year. And people have opened like outdoor eateries and, and and other places. And I think a lot more people are spending time this summer upstate. Um, Let's talk about something everyone loves to do is, is, is a sailboat. Um, Sam, give us an intro on your project and what the heck, again, Brad's question that I'm going to use forever, what the heck is sail Sailfreight?
4: Yeah, sounds good. Um, so our project is the Schooner Apollonia, and we are a big steel-hulled sailboat. And we do what's called sail freight. And yeah, Jimmy, you're not the only person who asks us that. Like, what the heck is sail freight? It's a great question. But at its heart, it's very, very simple. All it is is moving stuff, cargo goods, you know, stuff that you might want. On the water with the power of the wind. Right. So the freight part is the stuff that's moving. The sail part is the power source that's moving it. In our case, that is just the wind. And so at at its heart, that's what sail freight. But obviously, um, I can tell you much more about sail freight in terms of sail freight is emission free. Sail freight is a great way of connecting communities, engaging with communities, um, and sail freight is a way of weaving together producers and consumers up and down the Hudson Valley. So th- yeah. those are a couple different answers, I guess.
1: So Sam, just bring everyone up to speed. So you're a boat captain. How long have you been sailing boats for a living?
4: Um, I have been on the water for quite a while, but in terms of professionally, I've had my captain's license for the past six years. Um, and I, of course, was working on boats before that. But I guess in terms of being being a person in charge uh, on the water and having a, an income from it, it's really been about a six-year um, undertaking.
1: Well, that's great. Um, you know, Brad, when I was talking to you before, I realized that you've been an important part of the, the latest um, runs. Um, and what did you say, Sam? You said you're Hudson and what's Brad? What's the...
4: Yeah, so I, I'm at the beginning of the run. Every run has a has a loading port and a, and a begin, and then it has an ending port, right, and a destination. And Brad is at the end. He's down in New York City. He's our Gowanus partner. He does logistics, coordination, so many other things. And Brad has been a tremendous um, team player for the Apollonian. Without him, we really uh, wouldn't be able to do so much of what we do.
1: And, sh- and just to clue you in, we did do a great show with Sam and, and talking about malt and, and the how they connected with breweries, uh, back in the fall. So we're going to talk to Brad now. So Brad, tell us how you got involved in this project. You're an interesting guy. You're a poet. I know you've organized some other events in uh, Brooklyn.
5: Yeah, yeah, no. And I, you know, the other thing is I love the water. So I'm the captain of the Gowanus Dredgers Canoe Club somehow or another. Um, (laughs) so I guess if you're talking about, imaginative ideas like canoeing on a super fun site or starting up a sail freight venture, uh, you know, give me a call. But, um, (laughs) I got involved. You could say I was the person who was sort of the groupie who eventually became part of the band. Um, (laughs) I thought these guys were great. I met Sam and Tiana on a boat very fittingly on the Hudson back in about 2015. And, you know, I'd always loved the Vermont sail freight project, which had happened back in maybe 2013, 14, And, you know, that was sort of like an inspiration for me. But uh, getting involved with these guys, I really just reached out to Sam and said, hey, it looks like you guys are about to start doing runs on the river. How can I help? Like, do you have cargoes? Because obviously, if you're going to haul freight on the river, you kind of have to have cargoes. So I love the challenge of working with Sam to stir up new potential cargoes. And some of that's food, some of that's bulk grain, some of that's interesting things. Like we're going to be hauling a printing press from Gowanus upriver, uh, on this next run, so you never know what what might next what might be that next cargo. Brad, I think when I
1: first met Sam, I, I too had had been part of that Vermont sail freight way back when, and I remember I, I, I they came to the seaport, what was then the New Hampshire market. So it might have right. been earlier; it might have even been twenty eleven or twelve. And I hosted I hosted one of the dinners at my old Jimmy's number forty three. So I, I remember that was very inspiring. And isn't it funny that it seems like that idea was almost 10 years ago (laughs) and now 10 years later you guys are working on the next iteration
5: right right yeah it's pretty cool and you know i'm actually just about to crack a beer here which is from our one of our earliest supporters here with the malt which is strong rope brewing here in gowanus and jason is just great to work with and we're really hoping that on one of these runs we'll have a chance to um lighter some malt into him at his new Red Hook location.
1: Wow. And which beer is that that you
5: crack? Well, the one I crack right now is actually their Trophy Cat. But uh, the one I was trying to get is Sailing Squirrel. That's the one they have on tap down at the new tap room in, uh, in Red Hook that's made with the malted barley we brought down from Hudson Valley Malt.
1: Yeah, that, that's really exciting. So the last run, so I, I I met you guys in May at South Street Seaport. And how many um, pounds of malt did you guys have bring down?
5: I'm going to hand that one off to Sam.
1: Sam, how many pounds of malt did you bring in the, on the May run?
4: Oh, the May run, we had 11,000 pounds of malt aboard. Uh, The total count of grain was a little bit higher because we also had a fair amount of rye um, that was actually for our friend uh, Derek at Van Brunt.
1: That's great. Now back to Brad. So, Going beyond beer. So we know that this boat can bring malt, and we know that it's connected quadrupher breweries like Sing Sing and Newburgh and uh, Millhouse and Poughkeepsie and, and Strong Rope and even Wild East in Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. What about the other products? And they're going to be joining us in the second half of the show. We're going to talk to four different producers. How Great. did you get? You got a couple of the ones that I find really interesting the Cornell Small Farms. The mushroom logs, <laughs> yes. Uh, the 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 hot sauce people. How, how did you guys find all those people?
5: Well, it's really a totally mixed bag. Some of them were people that Sam knew in advance, uh, like Laura and the team at Poor Devil Pepper Company, and Freya at Hudson Hemp. So, just a reminder, if you do want some hemp rolling papers, we do have those for sale for a delivery. Um, you know, and and then there's people like Steve Gabriel at. Uh, Cornell Small Farms, who reached out to us, and we found a way to make that work with a number of other party, uh, partners, including the Ready Center in Brooklyn, which is where we dock when we come into Brooklyn. Um, but then there's other people where I just look at the at the map and say, "Hmm, where could we get some honey upstate to bring down to the city?" And cold call somebody at Hudson Valley Bee in Kingston, and you know, voila! After a few conversations, and everybody sees that it's mutually beneficial, we're loading honey on the boat. So how, how does someone get involved in having their product, you know,
1: s- s- sourced and and sold via your boat? A friend of mine, she's a writer upstate, Kathleen Wilcox. She said, "Do they need a coffee producer? Because she, she knows a coffee producer upstate that wants to get on your boat sometime."
5: Brad, yeah, well, or, yeah, I, you know, man. let us know. Email Sam at Apollonia <laughs> schoonerapollonia.com or Brad at schoonerapollonia because we would love to chat with her. Sam,
1: you wanted to tell me more about the, the Cornell small farms and the mushroom logs?
4: Yeah, absolutely, Jimmy. Um, we have we have a number of different cargos. Brad probably already mentioned this, but I sort of always think of them as the, the individual cargos and then the bulk cargos, right? And so the bulk cargos are the really heavy things that, that fill up the boat. And uh, typically, it's been malt for us. Like, that's how we started out, moving a lot of malt. But we always knew there were some other interesting options, um, and we've sort of done a fair amount of looking around. And actually through a mutual uh, friend and actually the guy who dialed us in with all our bicycle equipment, you know, Jimmy, how we use bikes to get stuff on and off the boats. And I think you're friends with Greg at Revolution Rickshaws, right?
1: Yeah, man, that, that guy is such a visionary, too, just like you guys. Totally, and he's he's the
4: real deal, man. He's completely uh, dedicated and committed. And so, Greg forwarded me an email probably three months ago now that that of course got my attention. It's the kind of email that normally uh, normally most people probably would think is pretty weird, but it just it was a it was a SOS call. I've got thousands of pounds of logs. I need to get to Brooklyn. I need help making it happen. And, you know, it was from this guy at Cornell. And, you know, at first I thought it was kind of a joke that maybe like Greg just wrote it like for my benefit. You know, like I would get a kick out of that because genuinely that's the stuff we're looking for. But it turned out there's this phenomenal guy, Steve Gabriel. He works at Cornell. He's dedicated, as far as I can tell, his life to helping people learn how to sustainably grow mushrooms. And he was doing a project in Brooklyn where he made a great connection with a community farm. He tried to figure out all these amazing things that could happen with the mushrooms that grow. And then he hit the, the moment of how the heck do I actually get 12, 14, 20,000 pounds of logs down to Brooklyn? And of course, you can't just throw them in the back of your truck and drive it down. And interestingly, it turns out it's like kind of an awkward cargo, right? It's like, it's actually a little bit too big. Um, for, for any of the small scale, um, transit and it's a little too small to get like an entire truck dedicated to it. So he was having a real hard time. And I, I of course, uh, was fascinated by the idea of moving down logs for people to grow it. You know, it's all about sustainable forestry and the Catskills connects with feeding people in New York city. So I reached out, one thing led to the other, and uh, and we decided we should pilot this thing. And so, you know, it's a phenomenal group of people. I think you probably know them over there at Cornell Small Farms. They're dedicated to helping people on the sort of small end of things, doing things well, doing things sustainably, learning from each other, sharing information. And so it's a natural fit for us. And uh, and so yet another partnership is the Hudson River Maritime Museum in Kingston is actually uh housing the log, you know, they built little bunks so we can actually store the logs there. They got sustainably harvested right now. There's over 300 logs down there. And as soon as we get underway on Thursday, um, we're going to start sailing toward Kingston. On Saturday, we do a big workshop with Cornell. We teach people how to inoculate their own logs, grow mushrooms at home. And then we load hundreds and hundreds of logs on the ship and start sailing toward Brooklyn, where uh, the vast majority of them are destined for the, uh, the community garden down there in Red Hook.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So you've really found something that that works for your boat better than almost any other form of transportation.
4: Yeah, Jimmy, I think we have. And what I find so inspiring about people like Steve Gabriel is he really wants to answer that question. Right. He's like me. Um, He wants to figure it out. He wants to try it and see what happens. So my point is that I'm going to move logs down. I think he is also going to try to rent a trailer and move some down himself. And then we're going to compare notes, right? So this will be like a a truly good learning moment of like, all right, we all know that what we're trying to do um, in many ways uh, has great potential, right? But it's not often that we get to do the real side-by-side comparison of like, what is the footprint? What is the difference? How much fuel did he use? What was the the impact getting it down? And similarly, I've got the flip side of that, right? And this is like half of my challenges. How many people can we engage on the way down? How many mushroom log kits can we sell in Ossining? <laughs> you know, like like what are all the added benefits to sale freight? And it's it's just fun to work with someone who really gets it and who's trying to quantify that and who's trying to build a long-term partnership based off of it.
1: Great. Hey, back to Brad, since you're doing events and some of the communications. Um, what, what's the message of sale freight that that's resonating most with people down in Brooklyn?
5: Yeah, I think it's the fact that people are getting these goods anyway, and if they can opt for some means of it coming to them in a more sustainable way, they're like, hmm, great, okay, wonderful, if I'm getting the same good. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a little bit of this element of – everybody's maybe OD'd a little bit on this same-day delivery stuff and, and starting to actually say, is this good? Um, <laughs> do we need this, really? Um, and I think you're starting to see a bit more of a consciousness about how goods get to you. And as Sam has probably been saying, it's a lot about – the Apollonia's mission is a lot about making transport transparent so that people are seeing how these goods are getting to them and you know the, the process is revealed. And it shows them that they have a choice. They have an option for how they get their goods. And we're trying to be that better option. Great. And what? And then,
1: Brad, again, are there any events happening? So by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be the end of the week. Um, are there any events happening in Brooklyn or uh, New York City for this run? And when is this oh, run? Yeah. Is this, Sam, yeah. you want to tell me when's the run that we're talking about? Because I know the orders are – by the time you hear this podcast, the, the, the consumer orders will be – will they be fully done after the 20th?
4: So the the orders are closing tomorrow. Um, we are actually loading the ship in Hudson on Thursday, starting to sail so the
1: twenty The 22nd. So July 22nd, you're loading the boat. Yes. Yes.
4: And and that's in Hudson. Now we're uh, continuing to load the boat as we head down because this is a, a unique run for us, right? Where we get a lot of our amazing um, small scale individual producers in Hudson. And then we get our bulk cargo in Kingston, right? So we're actually sailing pretty light um, from Hudson to Kingston. In Kingston, we're loading all those mushroom logs I was telling you about. And then we're bound for the big apple.
1: Wow. That is amazing. And you know what? This is a good time. We're going to take a short break. It looks like we can keep everyone on. Um, We've got our four of your uh, producer suppliers, Sam, uh, that are going to also be joining us. So we're going to take a short break, be back in a few minutes, and really talk more about Hudson River Sail Freight on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. HRN is excited to unveil the new look of food radio. We have a new brand identity and a new website. Our site makes it easier than ever to discover new podcasts and dig through our archive of 16,000 episodes. It's been 12 years since HRN started broadcasting food radio, and we've made it this far thanks to the support of our global listening community. It's because of member donations that Beer Sessions Radio is on the air with 30 other weekly shows. Your contributions give HRN the security we need to stay on the air during the pandemic and are allowing us to reopen our studio becoming a monthly sustaining member of HRN shows how much you care about Beer Sessions Radio and Food Radio what it means to you hey 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network become a member and join us at Heritage Radio Network So we are talking about the Hudson River Sail Freight with Sam Merritt of Schooner Apollonia. Sam, I am so happy to have you on and really looking forward to this next voyage.
4: Yeah, Jimmy, it's great to be here. And uh, it's very exciting to welcome some of our producers, too, because, as you know, you know, the whole point for me is to move stuff, but to move stuff in a way that connects people and shares stories. And what's been so inspiring and exciting about this project is the different people that we have connected with. And so it's such a pleasure to be on your show, and it's awesome to have some of them joining us.
1: Great. And we're going to introduce each guest just so we know everyone's voices. Let's – oh, we're losing people. Joining. Okay. So we're going to go through uh, – each one's going to introduce themselves and where they are right now. Let's start with Laura.
6: Hi, um, I'm Laura from Poor Devil Pepper Company, and I am in Hudson, New York.
7: Great. And Eric? Hi, this is Eric from uh, Viking Maple, and I'm in Canyon, New York.
8: Great. Derek? I'm uh, Derek Slusselman from Van Brent Steelhouse in Brooklyn, New York. And Nika?
9: Hi, I'm Nika Carlson from Greenpoint Cidery. Um, I'm in Brooklyn today, but the Cidery is in Hudson, New York.
1: Great. I'm so glad you guys got to join us. You know, the, the biggest thing with the sail freight is, is how do you make it? It's a sustainable, you know, power and transport. But how do you make it sustainable? And you need to have commerce to make it sustainable. So at first, Derek, you've been involved with this since last year. Just tell us how it, it's been working for you, how you found out about it. Um, you know, you, you, you've got some malt from it. I think you, you even, uh, one run, you sent some, some used barrels upstate.
8: Yeah, so uh, I actually don't, I don't really recall how I found out about uh, Sam, but I immediately got excited about it. It's right up my alley. I, uh, our, our business is all about local, and it's all about trying to connect local economies. So when I heard that he was doing this, I, I was ready to jump on board. Uh, we've done a couple things with, with Sam. We we brought some barrels down. We have our cooper is up uh, not too far from Kingston, uh, Quercus Cooperage, and he was re- doing some recoper barrels for us. So uh, on one trip, we brought down those barrels, uh, and then on that same voyage, we also brought down some bourbon. I mean, some uh, some corn and some malt, uh, and we made a bourbon. So we we put some uh, some of that bourbon in those casks, and when they're ready to go, we'll have sort of a all Apollonia bourbon, and then on the next voyage we we had some we brought some rye down, and um, so we have also have a, a rye whiskey that we're aging right now, and, and we're hoping it's a it's actually a, a whiskey that we sell pretty young, and so we're going to have a little bit of a sort of a Apollonia rye, um, uh, you know whiskey to, to sell in October.
1: So that, that, that was really fun. I, I I saw you guys in in May at South Street Seaport. And I'm just re- really proud of you that you've been such a leader with, with these kinds of projects. Um, I, I know you were involved in the New York State Distillers Guild and a big part of the, the Empire Rye project, too.
8: Yeah, so this this rye unfortunately won't be an Empire rye because Empire rye has to be aged for at least two years. And this is just going to be a whiskey that's aged for about
1: four months, but it is going to be very uh,
8: delicious, I'm, I'm sure of it.
1: That's great. And another alcohol producer, Nika. Just tell us again how you found out about this and got involved and and, and how it's working into your, your little business.
9: Sure. So um, I'm very lucky in that um, I, uh, I share some property with Sam. Um, he owns property outside of Hudson, um, and that is where I grow the apples and I make the cider. So I've kind of seen Apollonia grow from, I think he maybe even showed me like the Craigslist posts on his phone for when he first started looking at the boat. So it is super exciting to actually, um, get to be a part of, um, you know, the voyage that's happening. Um, and for me, my business is also about, um, going slowly and keeping things local and telling a story. One of the ciders that I make, um, is a still cider that's grown with mugwort that, um, infused with mugwort, excuse me, mugwort that grows on the property, um, where Sam is based. So everything is very connected.
1: And were you already, so you, you're making it up in in Hudson Mm -hmm. and you also operate in Brooklyn. Were you already, was that part of your plan always to, to do it that way?
9: Um, so I don't actually operate in Brooklyn. Um, I, I, like I myself am in Brooklyn, so I'm back and forth between the city and Hudson. Um, so yeah, that has always been, been part of the plan that I'm very lucky that I get to experience city life and country. life. But it
1: works for you, right? I mean, it kind of makes sense. So many New Yorkers go to Hudson. Um, yeah. And and, and have you, have you shipped your cider down on the boat?
9: Um my first shipment with Apollonia was last month. Um, or I guess it would have been in May. Um that was the first one, yet, yeah. But it went really well. People were really excited. My pre existing customer base was really excited about the idea of sail freight, and I think people that knew about Apollonia were excited about the cider as well. So it was a great crossover.
1: Great. And now um t- to Laura, you you've been with uh Schooner Apollonia. Probably the longest, haven't you, as a as a producer?
6: Yeah, definitely. Sam reached out, I think, last year, telling me about the voyages he had planned, and I was so excited about it because it's right in line with Poor Devil and what we're all about. Um, our whole business is focused, like other these other producers, about local and then sustainability and finding great ways to get our sauce to our customer bases in new and exciting ways, especially when it's community-based. So the Schooner Apollonia just seemed like a perfect fit for us. And it really fit with people, pre-existing customers, retail locations that are along the way. And then it's allowed us to open new accounts that are excited about the delivery and telling that story in their stores. So how long have you been making Bordeaux Hot Sauce? Um, Since 2014. Wow. That's great. So you,
1: and have you been selling in in the city before?
6: Definitely. Yep. So we do have some great accounts in the city and a few of them are really excited when we started telling them about how we can get it down to them in this, in this new way. Um, especially not just the hot sauce, but we have this new line of pepper flakes that we're launching, which is an even easier thing to ship down on the boat since it doesn't have to stay refrigerated. So that's another great thing we're going to get on the ship this round.
1: Wow, that's great! And then Eric, um, again, tell us about how how you got involved in this. And I think you're you're also part of a collaboration too.
7: Yeah. Uh, well, this is my first venture with the uh, Apollonia. Laura definitely connected um, the guys and myself. Um, we're old friends, and um, I've been making maple syrup for a couple of years, kind of as a hobby, up here in Canaan. And just this past year, was able to really ramp up production and make a whole lot. And recently, we've been making a um, a hot syrup that uses the uh, pepper flakes that Laura was just talking about. So I boil them into the maple syrup, and um, it's delicious. Uh, So looking forward to sending that downriver.
1: So is that that's a hot hot pepper maple syrup, or is it a maple syrup hot sauce?
7: It's a maple syrup, um, pure New York maple syrup. And then the uh, pepper flakes from their smoke shifter hot sauce is boiled into the maple syrup.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So just back to Sam. So Sam, that's just a snapshot of, of some of the, the small cargo that, that you've been shipping. You, you talked a little bit about um, your bulk car- cargo before, like malt and um, the mushroom logs but but how does this, the this small cargo fit in and also when i said sustainability i mean sustainability also means that you have to be able to make it viable
4: Absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting that uh, it's really inspiring to hear um, all these folks on the show. So uh, I just, it's great to listen to people talk and it's a bit reflective. I mean, everything like it's true. Nika has been working to build her cidery as long as I've been working to get the ship together. So there's something like very fitting about the, both of these projects kind of maturing around the same time. Um, Like Laura, you know, that's just the hot sauce that I always loved in Hudson. And then I realized at some point that she makes it, you know, right next to the waterfront. You can see the facility from the dock that I work off of. So that's like kind of an amazing moment. Derek has been an amazing um, partner uh, to have met in the city because he's just so uh, in line with it. And then like like Eric was just saying, I mean, the, the, uh, the ability for these people to all connect and the ability that I can connect it is really special. But you're right. The, the trick, Jimmy, is what we want to do is get the word out about sail freight, right? Because the whole thing is that sail freight I'm convinced, obviously, that this is the way uh, many things should be moved, right? Not everything, but there's lots and lots of stuff that this is the best way to move it throughout the Hudson Valley. Um, But it doesn't matter if people don't know about it, right? And I can go try to tell people about it, but I'm the kind of person that always operates. I'd much rather just show someone something than tell them something. Um, And so what I'd like to do is be able to arrive with the stuff we're talking about. And instead of tell a story of like, hey, wouldn't wouldn't you like some sustainable product where the producer who's making the product cares so much about the delivery that not only is it sustainable in the ingredients and in the methods that they make it, but also in the delivery. Like, instead of saying that, I'd love to just be able to sail down some hot sauce and say, look, you know. Laura thinks about all the ingredients that goes in. She thinks about the process and now she's got a delivery method that reflects that. Right. And so the trick for us is yes, we're trying to build a, a business with these producers. We're trying to build it up for both of us, right? Like, like it's it's a growing opportunity. Um, we're hoping that Derek can get into new markets upstate that he wouldn't get into otherwise if it wasn't for us. We're learning lots about um, potentially aging products on the boat and things that we never thought about. But again, the goal is we got to engage people. We've got to get people thinking about this. And I honestly think the best way to do that is with tasty, delicious products that people are interested in. And So the individual products is a new thing we started this year. It was very successful in May. We're now going to push it for the rest of the season. And what's so exciting about it is it's a way that anybody who lives in one of these partner ports, we have partner ports right now in Kingston, in Newburgh in Ossining, in Brooklyn and in Manhattan. And anyone who lives in any of those places can now decide they want to support sail freight. They want to support local producers and order something on the boat. You know, last year when we were getting this rolling, we were moving these big bulk cargoes, which of course that's in many ways, what's near and dear to my heart, but there's only so many people who want 2,500 pounds of malt, right? And your, aver- your average person, like they might really want to support us and be psyched about what we're doing, but there's no way they're going to even order a 50 pound sack of malt, right? Like what do you, you know, we actually had home brew clubs that were like, conglomerations that between like one brewing club, they can handle maybe 25 pounds of malt, right? So I guess point is just that, um, these individual producers, uh, we're so in line with each other. We're really hoping to work together. And I do think it's the best way uh, that we can help tell the story and help engage people so that they know what we're trying to do. Cause as you've heard me say, Jimmy, like sail freight doesn't work in a vacuum, right? This whole thing, if we're the only ones doing it, it's a total failure. If no one knows we're doing it, that's no good, right? The point is we need to get the word out about it. We need more people to join and we want, The public and the people who live on the river to realize uh the potential of the Hudson River.
1: Wow. So so back to Laura, because you're the you're the most experienced person with this right now. Um, so it's the boat's gonna pull up in Brooklyn, you know, in like two weeks or something. And um how have you been interacting with the customers um who are gonna buy that?
6: So the first, um, voyage that went down, we really blasted it out on social media. Um, we made sure we emailed everyone individually and also sent out a newsletter just to tell them more about the Apollonia and get them super excited about it. Um, and then once people, the order started coming in, um, we just like pre-packaged all their orders in a fun way, gave them some discount codes so that they'll order the next time, um, and just really spread the word. Uh, and people are super excited and the idea that they can come and actually see the boat and see where the products came from is just, we got great feedback on it. So we're so excited to just keep doing it and get more people down there. And I'm really looking forward to doing events over the next couple months with the next few voyages to drive even more attention to all the great products that are on the boat. And then just everything that the crew's doing.
1: Great. And Nika, I met you uh, in May, you were at the Fulton stall market at the seaport selling your cider. Um, where did did you tell us about selling and the experience of that that last sale freight for you?
9: I think it was really it was really lovely. I mean, for I think for customers to come and see the boat and see me and get to taste the cider, but also for me to see people and and get that feedback from them directly. I think it was it was really great for everyone. Um people sales were really good last time around, and they're continuing to stay strong. Um, But I think the the events as well are something that I'm really excited about going forward. I'm really looking forward to tasting people on cider in Brooklyn on the 30th when the boat arrives.
1: So when you were were set up up at the seaport out front of the Fulton Stall Market, tell me that day, how did you physically get your bottles of cider?
9: So they all came down on the boat um, everything, uh, everything was packaged on the boat two weeks before. Um, I gave myself a little extra on top of pre-sales so that I could have cider for people to try. Um, and they, I think Sam and his crew, uh, took them across the seaport to the Fulton stall mall on, um, on a bike. Sam, did you talk about the bike at all? (laughs)
4: <laughs> no, no, not too much. But yeah, Nika's exactly right. I mean, we're I'm trying to uh, be a real purist about this in terms of, uh, you know, obviously, we understand we operate in the real world. And so we're we're not trying to be insane. But that said, if we can do this in a truly uh, carbon neutral way without fossil fuels, that's the goal. And so we've started um, trying to do all of the the transportation to the boat and from the boat with a bicycle. And so, yeah, Nico was set up at the Fulton Stall Market. We sailed the ship to the port at South Street. We actually uh, used the rigging to unload a bicycle and trailer. And then with the bike and trailer, we made the trek over to Fulton Stall Market. I mean, genuinely, Fulton Stall Market is so close, we could have just walked over. It's really an amazing setup with the seaport. But there are other destinations we work with where the bike is critical, and we're maybe trying to get a mile and a half away or something like that.
1: Wow, that was so what is that the last mile? That's that's the key, right? Sam? Yeah, I mean
4: it, it really is. I mean and, and this is actually what I just wanted to add, because I mean Laura and, and Nika and everyone's describing this um this perfectly. And and, and this has been a real challenge for us, right? Is cause The goal is both, we want this to be practical and easy for people, right? But we also want them to really be able to engage in the process. But of course, it's not always that easy to get to the water, right? So at every one of our partner ports, we have two things, right? And I'll use Brooklyn as an example, just because it's easy. But we have a a dock destination, right? So in Brooklyn, we work with a group called the Ready Center. It's an amazing nonprofit. They have a barge that they operate off of, and that's where we actually physically pull up to, right? And we run an event every time we do a delivery where people are invited down to the barge pick up their goods but inevitably it may not work for someone's schedule always to come to our events right and so the the magic in brooklyn is that we also have derek and van brunt nearby right so if someone ordered hot sauce from laura and they have their poor devil hot sauce order but it turns out on friday night when we have our big fun party at the barge they already have a hot date or whatever they can't make it it's not a problem because we can bring it over to van brunt Derek very kindly has stored stuff for us. And then anytime during regular business hours, people can grab it. So I guess I'm going into this, Jimmy, just to understand that we're trying to both figure out how to really engage with people, share share the story of the product. Our crew become ambassadors for the products. We want to get people on the water, on the boat, but we also want to make it practical and easy. And if you just want to do the right thing, and then whenever it's convenient for you and you're coming home from work, stop by Van Brunt and pick up your hot sauce. That works also, right? And so we're trying to work both angles.
1: Derek, how did it work for you the last time in May?
8: It, it's great. You know, we're, we love welcoming people to the distillery, and uh, we're, we're super close to the boat. Uh, and, you know, we're a little bit of a destination out here in Red Hook, uh, which which makes it fun to, to see other people coming uh, who, who are fans of these other great producers to come to Van Brunt.
1: Well, that's great. And then just since we can mention some product, we did mention some beer that our, our other guests were drinking. Um, Nika, what cider do you have on the boat? And just tell me about your ciders a little bit.
9: Sure. So, um, everything I make is, um, all, all New York fruit, um, anything that's not an apple that goes into the cider, um, grows wild on the property itself. So it's wild foraged within sometimes just a hundred feet of my door, um it's all a hundred percent dry. Everything's been aged at least a year from the time that the apples were pressed to when you are pouring it out of the bottle. Um, and so I have just a plain regular farmhouse style cider, light light bubbles called first edition. Um the mugwort infused cider that I was talking about earlier is um mugwort is this wild-growing herb. I mean I think a lot of people think of it as a weed, but it has Um, these really lovely sage-like qualities to it. So the cider is very herbal. It has a really um, bright nose. And um, I make a pet nut style cider. I make another cider that's been co-fermented with some wild grapes that grow on the property. Um, So it's all stuff that kind of tells the story of my relationship to the world in which I'm working.
1: That is amazing, and I think we're going to have you at our October 2nd cider Feast NYC, so I'm looking, yeah, I'm forward, looking to, forward to, to it. tasting them all, so thank you. And then Eric, Eric Austin, um,
7: yep. d- just to inspire us about all these products, how did you start making maple syrup? Um, I just realized that I had a lot of maple trees on my property, and um, I had a nice hillside behind me that um, allowed for a gravity system, um, and, uh, I was just able to start collecting a lot more sap than I knew what to do with and, uh, built an evaporator, upgraded it. And, uh, yeah, I've been in the restaurant bar business for 15 years. So I love food and, and it was, a uh, something I just dove into.
1: That's great. So for, for you, that was the, what do you call it? Your plumbing or mechanical aspect was, was that easy for you?
7: Yeah, pretty easy, actually. I, I build draft systems, um, you know, beer, wine, coffee, cocktails, uh, Viking Draft Company, and believe it or not, the tubing and, um, you know, related machinery to um, evaporate uh, maple sap and create maple syrup is, is very similar. So, yeah, it's With, working well.
1: When you make maple syrup, what, what's, your, what's your goal for end product? Are you trying to make one uniform Syrup. I don't know anything about maple syrup other than I've seen people cook it over open fires. In yeah, Lamont. well that
7: that's that's a great fun old school uh, way to do it. Um, I I have the full varieties. We make a golden, which you get at the beginning of the season, then a amber, which is the majority of the season, then a dark and a little bit of very dark at the end of the season. And uh, the trees basically decide what the um, type that you get. Um, it's the trees and the weather. Uh, so as, as it gets warmer in the season, the syrup gets darker and um, more delicious, I think. But that's just my personal taste.
1: Wow, I'm getting inspired. I have a friend, he was tapping a couple of his maple trees, but then he also tapped a birch tree. Um, do you tap anything else besides maple?
7: You know, I have some birch trees and I I tapped uh, a couple of them this past year. It didn't really work out, but that was only because I didn't do enough. You need about 75 gallons of birch sap to make one gallon of uh, birch syrup. So I'm going to tap some more next year and we'll see because I love birch beer. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do with it.
1: That's great, man. And and and, how, are you going to come down to Brooklyn or, or be part of any of the celebrations at all?
7: I would like to. Um, um, this is my first, um, you know, freight shipment. Um, but uh, I'm going to continue throughout the rest of the year and um, hopefully be able to participate in some of the events. If not, you know, uh, one soon, definitely later in the year.
1: Eric. Hey, Derek. Uh, Eric, uh, I,
8: I, just to, at, I just want to interrupt uh, Eric. I want to buy some of your maple, so we need to talk after this.
7: I would uh, love to do that. Let's talk.
1: This is amazing community. Derek, I was actually going to ask you if you would make a uh, sail freight uh, cocktail with the Viking maple. Uh, is that what you're thinking? Well, that sounds delicious,
8: but I actually want to buy more. and, and do a, we've been, We're going to do a uh, maple bourbon this year, and I can think of no better way to get the maple down here than on the Apollonia.
7: That, that would be amazing. I would love to, uh, work that out with you for sure.
1: But, but would, would, you, you, with would that you actually hot
8: maple syrup sounds delicious.
1: Yeah. So that maybe that's open at night at the, at, 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 the still house. That'd be fun. Um, Sam, you created such a great little community here, man. And it's quite amazing. Um, again, I said last year when we first talked, you were thinking it was malt, malt and beer and, and spirits. We talked about fun projects like doing a barley boat beer. Um, How how is the beer fitting into this? Oh, I mean, beer is
4: still a huge part of this. I mean, genuinely, the way I look at my job is it's it's to sort of try to develop design and test what I'm calling trade routes. But right. uh, The ability to move different goods. And so, you know, it's when we move something new, it's not that the last thing didn't work or that we're not as interested in it. It's just that we're very much in the infancy and in the kind of like pilot stages. And so the beer has been an amazing thing where there's breweries up and down the river. We've got our, our buddy Dennis, who I know, you know, over at Hudson Valley malt, great guy. Who's really, he's making a lot of malt these days. And we're starting to, uh with the brewers, we're starting to actually make specialty beers, right? And that's that's like the next step with it, right? Is like the first step is to sort of do the sustainable distribution. And then the next step is to sort of tell the story. And so one of the things I'm really excited with the brewers is how we tell the story. But I have to say, genuinely the product like like Eric's um spicy maple syrup, it tells the story just as well as as some of the beers that are getting made right now. Because the story is also the fact that these producers want to work together, right? The fact that Derek can now get maple syrup from Eric and we can just be the conduit and you know I don't want to take too much credit for anything because genuinely what we're just trying to do is is be the connection right but it only works with all the interesting things to connect and so this works because the Hudson Valley is so full of creative people and good products and it works because um, they're so interested in working with each other right like genuinely I'm just I'm just sort of like making the intros right and that uh, you couldn't have scripted it better if we'd tried i mean like like this just shows that you get creative people in a room um, and and then genuinely we just want to do it in a way that that doesn't require a truck to drive down to the city and that also can hopefully get people thinking about uh, the river and the water and the connection the other people who live on the water and how to take care of it a little better
1: so sam you, you could have been pitching this just on paper for five more years and probably never would have happened right well, you just yeah, did Jimmy,
4: it. man, like that's the thing is I'm, I, I, I don't I know what it is. And if it's just that I'm like getting, I'm, I'm not old by any means, but I feel like I'm, I've lost patience for like good ideas that don't get tested. Right. Because um, there's so many good ideas. I mean, I can't can't tell you how many people have told me awesome ideas, but I'm, I'm at the place uh, where I just want to try things, right? Because y- you learn so much by doing it. And, you know, and, and we've learned things that work and things that don't work. Like I'm the first one who wants to be really honest about all of this, you know, like genuinely, like with, with Laura and poor devil refrigeration for us is really hard like, uh, you know, we're, that's, that's actually like the one part of this, we're still trying to figure out how to dial in well. Uh, right. So th- there are definitely like, like challenges to parts of what we do. And maybe in the future, what we'll do is really just do a lot of hot sauce so at the beginning of the season when the river is still cold enough that that's not a big deal. Right. Or, you know, so th- there's creative ways to make all this work, but my point is it's hard to, you know, maybe, maybe some people are better at, at planning than I am and they can really think it, think it all out ahead of time. But I just find that, uh, that, By trying an idea out is when you really learn what happens. And uh, it's also when you really learn uh, who's connected, who's dedicated, and who wants to be part of it, you know?
1: Yeah, well, the scale matters, you know? You're you're working at the scale of your boat. How much time does it take you to do the whole thing round trip, loading round trip to New York, the port and market activities? So, so
4: we dedicate two weeks to our cargo run. Um, but really we can do it in about eight or nine days, but you have to realize that the events are a large part of it and the events, um, take a fair amount of time. (laughs) So, you know, it's about four days down, four days up in terms of the sailing. Um, but then there's all of the events, all of the community engagement. And of course we like a little bit of a window for, uh, for weather because we are dependent on the wind. I mean, I guess I should say, you know, one of the, 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 the both very challenging and also, um, really remarkable things about the Hudson river is we have tides and currents, right. And the current, uh, is something that is very predictable and can help us. So, so regardless of the wind, we can make some progress with the current. Um, and at least I can tell you exactly what the current's going to do ahead of time. Um, but yes, the wind is, is, is not something that you can really predict and it's something that you just have to sort of roll with. And so we need enough window that we can actually sail to get where we're headed.
1: Wow, man. This is so exciting. Let, let's get a couple more other producers on. Um, Derek, your fantasy for this boat <laughs> and and your your products. You know, I would love to have
8: a, uh, you know, we're still working out some of the kinks, but I'd love to have a couple of casts on the boat aging. I'd love to have uh, some, some bottles to, to pour for customers at, at port. Uh, I'd love to be springing uh, raw materials down to Brooklyn. I'd love to be shipping finished product up the hudson we've had a we have a couple of customers who are selling apollonia freighted uh whiskey in their shops upstate and uh i would love to continue that
1: wow that's great and what about for you laura Uh, any fantasy for this boat and your product
6: definitely um sam and i have talked about this briefly but our dream is to make some sort of hot sauce that we ferment and actually make while they're sailing. So we'll, my partner, Jared, and I will get on the boat. We'll have the peppers. Maybe we'll pick them up from one of our farms nearby in Milton. And then we can just start fermenting, have them sit on the boat for about six weeks and then bottle it up and call it the sloppy seas or something, hot sauce (laughs) and sell it, sell it at the next, next trip down all along the river. Wow. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm salivating. And Eric, (laughs) what about, what about you? What, What would your fantasy be for your
7: maple syrup? I think I just want to come along on that ride and and make the hot sauce and bring some syrup and um, hang out drinking whiskey. Um, That that sounds good enough for me. I don't know. This is so new to me, and um, it just seems uh, such a great opportunity. Um, There's there's endless places to go with it. I I can't wait.
1: Yeah, and hopefully, Sam, someone doesn't muscle in and say, hey, you can make more money taking human cargo than – then bulk cargo.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. Even, even back in the 1800s, um, all of the cargo ships, they would take passengers as well, right? Because they were all just trying to make a living. Um, and so, basically, you know, anything that got aboard that would pay its way was was something that you had to think about. But, but I do think for us specifically, um, getting people who are our producers who can actually work on their products, whether it's like make a hot sauce with Laura, or whether Derek just sails along so he can talk about it when we show up in port. I mean, at the very least, I want all of our producers to have had some experience on the boat, and then I could genuinely see it becoming more more of a thing where they they're really involved. It, uh, it's a different experience being out on the water like that. And I mean, it's slow, right? But in that, in that slow, what that means is you get some time to reflect, you get some time to think about stuff. And then the other thing with the water is then when stuff happens, it'll happen really quick for a minute right so you know it can feel like you're out there all day moving like 15 20 miles and you are but there are some moments when you're reacting quickly and i can only imagine if we're cutting up peppers and trying to make hot sauce and we're trying to sail the boat there's going to be some some epic uh shit going on <laughs>
1: what, what, what's the worst thing that can happen with the wind are there some nautical terms like squalls or anything else
4: Yes. Uh, there are, are absolutely lots of nautical terms for too much wind, which is sort of what you're getting at gales and squalls. But, but uh, genuinely, uh, our most common uh, worst thing that can happen with the wind is no wind. <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously, like too much wind can be a problem. But one of the amazing things about uh, schooners specifically is I have a lot of sails, right? It's not just one sail on the boat. There's actually four sails. And each of those four sails Uh, You can what we call refit, but you, you basically tuck them up and use more or less of the canvas on the sail. So point is, if it's really, really, really windy, we can just put less sail out and we can actually meter the amount of sail we have out to the amount of wind to still get a reasonable amount of power to the boat. Right. But when there's just no wind. It doesn't matter what you put out, right? <laughs> You're just drifting. And so uh so yes, there they're, they're in many parts of the world the the big squalls and the gales and the storms that come through are the trouble. But um but genuinely in the Hudson, um especially this time of year, uh one of our big challenges is just not enough wind.
1: <laughs> wow. You know, and back to how I met you, just wanna shout out to uh Dennis and Jeanette at Hudson Valley Malt, who were part of your first run last fall. And earlier, um, I think it was Brad mentioned the Strong Rope Sailing Squirrel beer that I think he made with some of that malt that was that was brought down. And I'm going to give a big shout out to Jason Saylor at Strong Rope, who's been one of the, the biggest leaders of the New York State Farm Brewers community. Um, and I, I, I'm going to check out his new place in Red Hook also. Derek, how close is the Strong Rope? new tasting room to, to to your spot uh it's about four or five blocks you know we're we're
8: right uh adjacent to to van dyke and there at the end of van dyke so it's a super easy walk especially on a nice day
1: so we, we we could be possibly going there to red hook and tasting uh beer that was the malt was brought down and something f- from your whiskey too right yeah,
8: yeah. sounds like a great day wow
1: well, you guys have been great. And, and then Nika, you're, you're, you're the story we're going to follow up with because I, I love cider too. And um, this is a very cool cider. Nika, last, you got the last thing to say. So you, you, your your product is like it. you're kind of only existing because of Sam, right?
9: I mean, honestly, yeah. I If I weren't able to – I was actually in the process of looking for a new place to produce when – Sam, uh, was a part of purchasing the property that we're all on now. So, you know, I, I owe a lot to Sam. I'm, I'm, it's a relationship I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for all the people that I've met and am continuing to meet. And I'm grateful for, uh, getting out on the boat and sailing. I grew up sailing. So this is like a great, a great series of connections for me.
1: Well, so much is going on here. Check out Apolloniascooner.com and, and before you go i just want to say please support heritage radio network become a member it, it means a lot to us you can even join for a dollar or be a sustaining member and give a few dollars a month go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and just mention that uh you listen to beer sessions so thanks so much everybody wow we had earlier we had uh david and dana from upward brewing and then we had sam and brad uh from schooner Apollonia, and now we've had laura and derek and nika and eric so thanks so much for joining me here on heritage radio network big shout out to our engineer armin Spengen and assistant producer caroline fox i'm jimmy carboni we'll catch you next time on beer sessions radio all right woo thank you we drank beer too cool beer sessions radio is powered by cinecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network